Alistair walks through the low iron gate surrounding the church. As he walks, his eyes never leave the cocoon he rolls through his fingers. Inside, Ezra prays at the altar, and as the door groans open, he beams at Alistair and throws his arms around the man in a tight embrace. Alistair, it's good to see you. Where's Herodias? Huh? What? I don't know. I'd imagine a bar. <sighs> she didn't come back with you? Look around, Ezra. Does it look like she came back with me? <laughs> well, fair enough. How about, why didn't she come back with you? Something about finding a room. Do you have my belongings? Yeah, your things are upstairs. Although, I don't know how safe it is for you to be here right now. The bishop is still around here somewhere. Never mind the bishop. I need my books. Alistair takes a step forward to a door against the back wall of the church, but as he moves to do so, Ezra blocks the way. You should let me get them for you. It's better if we don't tempt fate. You can't tempt what doesn't exist, Ezra. <sighs> Never mind. I don't have time for this. Look, Ezra. Alistair thrusts the cocoon forward. We found this in the neck of all the Antoinettes at the graveyard. I'm so close to figuring out what is going on here, Ezra. The answers are in my books upstairs. I just need a few hours alone with them, and then our little mystery will be solved. Maybe. Or... Maybe if you go up those stairs, you'll piss off the bishop, and then he'll try to have you arrested. Just wait here. Let me grab them for you. You don't know what you're looking for. I'll just be a second. Then I'll grab them all. Please, Alistair, just wait here. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> what? Another vision? Well, yes. But that has nothing to do with this. You did? You dolt? Why the hell didn't you tell me? Because I know you, Alistair. Nothing I said would have convinced you that you were wrong about Antoinette. And we both know that the only mind that could change yours is your own. I just needed to wait until you were open to hearing the truth before you pushed yourself further away from it. Alistair's lip curls in a snarl, but the usual retort doesn't come. Well, I'm waiting. Right, so there was a masquerade party. Everyone was dressed, head to toe in these long flowing dresses and beautiful sleek suits. Most importantly, though, were their masks. They were extraordinary in detail. Peacocks with silver beaks and real feathers. Gilded lion masks with manes of golden fibers. There was a man in lamb's mask that looked so real I could have sworn it was an actual severed head. Why is this important? Well, because there was one woman in a simple doll's mask. This woman would walk through the crowd and offer her mask to the other guests. Everyone she offered it to accepted and threw aside whatever they were wearing to don the doll's mask. She did this several times. Each time she reappeared in the crowd, she'd have a new mask. And soon, there were several people dotted throughout the crowd wearing these doll masks. What? But there was this one man, the one in the lamb's mask, remember? The one that looked so real, like a freshly killed lamb. He didn't like the doll masks, and every time he saw one, he would run over to them, grab them, shake them, claw at them, getting everyone's attention. Then everyone else around them killed whoever wore the doll's mask. This kept happening time and time again until eventually, everyone at the party vanished. They all disappeared at once. After her last victim, nothing but masks remained. I woke up after that. 
This isn't like Radon, is it? No. No, it's not. How can you be sure? Well, I can't. Then we can't trust it. We can't just ignore it, Alistair. Look at the similarities. It's uncanny. It's no different than that Rusalka, Ezra. This is different. How? You won't like the answer. Is this some inane faith thing? Told you you wouldn't like it. Fine. I'll look into painted doll masks and severed lamb heads, but you should prepare yourself for the possibility that your vision was nothing more than a dream. What happened at Radom wasn't a dream. It was an issue with the interpretation of the vision. And don't waste your time on dolls' masks. Try shape-shifting. Why would I do that, exactly? Assuming the doll masks are Antoinette. Then Antoinette is turning the other citizens of Durinbar into mirror images of herself. That explains why the bodies are still at the graveyard. Hmm. But why is she doing it? Do you know of any rituals that require a lot of tongues? What? Well, each victim had its tongue cut out, right? And none of them have turned up yet. Maybe she needs the tongues. If she just wanted tongues, she wouldn't have to transform her victims. Although you might be onto something. What else do all of the other Antoinettes have in common? The wounds on their chests. Precisely. What if she needs a human sacrifice for her ritual? But why would she need to change them if she's planning on killing them? Because a killer on the streets always draws too much attention to herself. But if she can have someone else kill them for her. The bishop has been playing into her hands this entire time. Or he has, in theory. I'll need to look over my books to verify the spell component. Alistair sides around Ezra, heading towards the door in the back. Before he can reach his destination, however, the doors of the church are thrown open. Through the rolling fog and the pouring rain, Robert, beaten and bloodied, stumbles loudly into the church. As he walks, he stumbles, and a second man, Eduard, catches him. As the two head further into the church, two attendants rush forward. One helps Robert, and the other closes the doors once more. As the first attendant takes hold of Robert, Robert catches sight of Alistair. He bares his teeth and throws the attendant to the floor, stumbling forward. You! Alistair quickly darts behind Ezra as Robert trudges through the rows of pews over to them. A door squeaks open upstairs, and the bishop's steps stamp down the stairs. The door at the back wall of the church is thrown open as the bishop calls out, What is the meaning of the commotion, shepherd Ezra? Have you discovered that I was correct all along and the witch has turned on you? The bishop falls silent as he looks over the scene, from his two constables bleeding onto the church grounds, over to Alistair, taking shelter behind Ezra. Bishop Martin, please listen to me. I don't know what happened here, but I promise you, it's not what it looks like. What it looks like, Shepherd Ezra, is that a witch sympathizer has viciously attacked a member of my congregation such as I knew it would. Bishop Martin. Silence. I am not done, Shepherd Ezra. I have warned you of the consequences of your actions, haven't I? I warned you of the dangerous ways of the children of Cain, yet you were deceived by the devil's tongue resting in its mouth. Lesser men of faith are often persuaded by the devil to do his works. I cannot earnestly blame you for falling under his charismatic whispers, but I cannot let you go unpunished. I will send a report to His Holiness Pope Theodosius immediately, letting him know exactly what happened here in Durinbar during your stay. Bishop Martin, I assure you, 
Alistair didn't attack anyone. Robert, tell Shepard Ezra what happened to you. We were escorting them to the graveyard, Your Holiness, when he went savage. He threw himself at me and took my gun. Before I could do anything, he shot Georgian Dwarf. Eduard and I tried to stop him, but the one they were calling Herodias got in the way. She broke Eduard's arm and beat me something fierce. Then the two of them just walked off. Animals they are, Your Holiness. Both of them. I was about to go after them, but I had to take care of the wounded first. Went to fetch Doc Horvath, but by then Georgi and Dor were gone. Doc fixed up Eduard and myself just moments before we got here. There you have it, Shepard Ezra. It is with a heavy heart I tell you emphatically that your flock is rotten. I have no doubt that the glory of the clergyman has been corrupted by the root of evil you have let grow amongst you. Like a weed, it has choked out the life of your flock. The only course of action you can take in hopes of redemption is to deracinate this evil from among you. Kill the nigger and the Lord will spare you, Shepherd Ezra. You bastard! He's lying, Ezra! This bigot and his lackeys cornered Herodias and I with batons and guns. Herodias gave plenty of warnings to walk away, but this idiot attacked him and Herodias protected me. That arsehole shot his own men trying to kill Herodias. I'm sorry, Bishop, but I trust my man. Trust has no place in the court of law, Shepherd Ezra. We deal strictly with facts and evidence. Two victims of my flock have come before me battered and wounded, and they demand justice. As you are the owner of this animal, who injured and killed members of my congregation, its punishment falls on you. I don't own him, Bishop. He is a free man, and there will be no punishment today, so long as it is the policy of this church to protect the innocent. The policy of this church is to uphold the will of the Lord, Shepherd Ezra, and as it is written in Genesis, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For the crime of murdering Georgi and Duor, I hereby sentence this animal to death. Have nothing to do with a false charge, and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Exodus 23.7 You are droll enough then to implore a judge who has already given a verdict to have a formal trial? What could you possibly hope to gain by such a frivolous act? Did I say anything about a trial? Then what do you propose? I propose nothing. Then we'll put this animal to death. Robert, Edward. The two constables stand to attention. At the command, Robert pulls out his Rastin Gasser revolver and begins to load several bullets into the chamber. Eduard, however, doesn't move to draw his baton. Bishop Edmund Martin! The bishop flinches at the voice as it dominates all the sound in the church and echoes throughout its halls. Have you forgotten who I am? Tell me who I am! The bishop doesn't reply. I am Ezra Sforza, shepherd of the Eleventh Order of the Clergymen. For the crime of assaulting one of my flock and for trying to kill another, at the very least, I could have all three of you and your families excommunicated from the church in a heartbeat. Tell me, Edmund, do you think the Isis soldiers will take mercy on excommunicated immigrants? I don't want that to happen. So we are willing to overlook the assault 
this once. But make no mistake, if any one of your men so much as bear their teeth at my flock, I will not show mercy a second time. Do you understand me, Edmund? The bishop glares at Ezra, and his eyes never leave him as he balls his fists. I will not settle for this hearsay, Shepherd Ezra. Vile excommunication may be in your power. My men were assaulted and killed by yours. I will not stand for this. I will make sure Pope Theodosius knows of the actions of your flock and the threats you've laid against me and my men. The bishop gathers his robes around him and abruptly turns to stomp up the stairs and slam the doors to his chambers. Eduard falls to his knees before Ezra and kisses the man's feet as he weeps and begs for forgiveness. Robert bewilderedly stares at the door the bishop disappeared behind. He snarls, then points his revolver at Alistair. Before he can pull the trigger, Ezra darts forward and grabs the gun. The bullet rings throughout the church and embeds itself into the throne. Robert tries to free the chamber from Ezra, but found the shepherd's grip to be like iron. Robert abandons the revolver and turns. He falls over himself in his haste to escape and stumbles from the church, disappearing into the night. Ezra kneels and offers the gun to Alistair. I'm sorry. I can't keep you safe, Alistair. I pray you'll never have to use this, but it may prove to be more useful than I. Alistair looks at the gun and gingerly takes it from Ezra. You're going to want to put the safety on. When Alistair doesn't move, Ezra takes the gun back from him. Ezra then walks him through the maintenance and repair required for upkeep. He tells Alistair how to fire, how to reload, how to aim, and how to activate the safety. As he talks, Alistair warily looks over Ezra, only half paying attention, finding the shepherd's apparent knowledge of firearms to be more fascinating than the actual subject itself. As Ezra finishes his monologue, he offers the revolver back to Alistair, who struggles with the safety. Ezra walks him through it several more times, and once Alistair can flick it on and off with ease, Ezra turns his attention to Eduard, who prays at the altar. Alistair watches as Ezra joins him in prayer, and whispers reassuringly to the constable. Alistair shakes his head, then heads up the stairs to their rooms, keeping the gun at arm's distance. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to The Clergyman Immortal Woman, a leached talent production, written and directed by Annie Gonzorn, produced and audio engineered by James Quesada, music compositions and sound design by Maddie Gosshorn, narrated by Seth Weeks, and with voice acting by the following talented cast members. Jeff Williams as Ezra, Vinay Nariani as Alistair, Josh Biedricke as Robert, Boyd Barrett as Bishop Martin, Subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode, and leave us a rating and a review to help other people discover the show. Check us out on social media and on the web by following the links in the show description. Thanks again for listening, and keep the faith. Keep the faith.